don't move too much. I'm not. <laughs> yeah. I thought this was all about censorship. I feel extremely censored right now. I mean, thanks for the transition, buddy. It's queer halftime. Hello. My name's Becca. I use she, they pronouns. Kelsey, I also use she, they pronouns. Kelsey has a lot of complaints today, but I'm we're just going to power through. Yeah, I'm a really grumpy guy. I know. We're all kind of in a mood today, but you know what's going to make it better? Censorship. Talking about censorship. Mm. Um, so you said you knew nothing about the Hays Code, hey? No. Have you ever watched like an old movie from like the 40s or 50s? Like, I think you said Steph is a big like Hitchcock mm-hmm. fan. She is, yeah. um, and there's like a romantic scene or something. And there's just something really weird about it. Like the kissing scene or like like why are their hands both up all over each other's faces weirdly and unnaturally mm. like yeah that's why i always thought i was kissing wrong for a really long time because it was like movies? my hands aren't up here yeah and, and that's it's like very like because of the haze code because audiences needed to be able to see like where are their hands they're not like getting fresh like you know i sound like an old man when i said that i don't know there's gonna be a lot of that oh <laughs> so it was like i gotta make sure you're not whacking somebody below the screen like is that kind of where we're going it was very keep it above the belt um so it's the 1920s we're in hollywood okay so hollywood has just been rocked by like a number it's very echoey in here too today um because all of our furniture is moved around because we're putting in new flooring so i'm gonna apologize um but also deal with it yeah yeah so yeah there's been a series of scandals um so there was the unsolved murder of the silent movie actor and director william desmond taylor Mm. which i'm pretty sure is still unsolved it's a cold case um and then there were three trial trials of roscoe fatty arbuckle um he was literally called fatty arbuckle oh three guesses why he was fat he was alert yeah um he wore buckles (laughs) no so he went to trial three different times for the death of the actress Virginia Rapp. Mm -hmm. Um, And at the time he was the highest paid actor in Hollywood, which, you know, was a really obvious kind of target for condemnation by religious and political figures who felt the film industry was morally bankrupt. Um, He was a bit of like a Weinstein figure. Uh, He would have been me too'd really, really bad. Interesting. And that's all we're going to go into that. So, yeah. Yeah, at the third trial, the jurors all fucking shook his hands after acquitting him. Gross. Yeah, told them they were fans of his work. Super <laughs> gross. Gross. <laughs> yeah, so basically Hollywood is a disgusting cesspool of moral bankruptcy. Surprise. So uh, political pressure had been increasing to fix this, and legislators in 37 states had introduced um, almost 100 film censorship bills in 1921. Wow. Uh, so Hollywood was faced with like complying with hundreds of inconsistent and easily changed decency laws the studios decided to start Mm self-regulating and enlisted the deeply conservative presbyterian deacon will uh william h hayes uh to rehabilitate their image wait a church guy yeah oh yeah there's a lot of religious i mean they're not even undertones it's blatantly catholic later on oh um (laughs) Basically, they pick someone that hopefully the religious and conservative detractors would consider credible to mm-hmm. clean up the pictures. Because um, he was also like a big time Republican. He'd been involved with like in President Harding's administration. Mm-hmm. Like, gotcha. Yeah. So they were like, here's this super conservative religious guy to clean stuff up. So please stop being mad at us. Nice. 
You want to know how much he was paid? And this makes me so angry. More than me. I'm getting so guess. he was paid a hundred thousand a year <laughs> in nineteen twenty-two money. Which what is that? One point six million, baby. A year. Wow. Yep. Just to be religious. Yeah. Uh, he served for 25 years as president of the Motion Picture Producers and Distributors of America, the MPPDA, uh, where he defended the industry from attacks, recited soothing nostrums, and negotiated treaties to cease hostilities. Well, she makes it sound like he's some kind of wartime general. Mm-hmm. Mostly he was saying you can't put boobies in movies. All right. And other things. Seems like censorship. It, oh, well, it's going to get so much deeper than that. <laughs> so in 1924, Hayes introduced a set of recommendations he dubbed the formula for student uh, studios to follow and asked filmmakers to describe the plots of the films they were planning on producing to his office so that they could approve them. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're like, what about free speech? Uh, back in 1915, the U.S. Supreme Court had decided unanimously that free speech did not extend to movies. Weird. Which, I mean, in 1915, they were also silent. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is also the introduction of the talkies so nobody's even speaking yeah so it's just the like so there's no noise and and you can't touch somebody's weed below the belt yeah well i mean you could for a little while there and then a whole bunch of shit happened the religious people are like hey fucking cut it out but what happened though well like so this one guy was murdered um fatty arbuckle um was involved in this woman's death after an alleged assault um but one guy was murdered like i feel like you would see that <laughs> if it was if it happened on film no it didn't happen on film oh he was a famous like director and actor because i was because uh, i'm like what's like what like so it's basically all this shit behind the scenes being like hollywood is so morally corrupt and then sort of taking that into the movies and being like look they're depicting violence they're depicting sex um, they're like so they're like hollywood's really corrupt but what we should probably control is what everybody else can see yeah so <laughs> what the corruptness continue they thought the and like they thought certain people so like children you know were influenceable but also women and the lower class mm, and like yeah basically these people who can't think for themselves interesting <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay so um yeah, so there were attempts to clean up the film industry, but they were largely unsuccessful um, after that 1915 ruling, um, especially with many movies taking inspiration from places like the New York stage, which had topless shows, lots of cursing, and suggestive themes. Mm. So, um, yeah. The theater was a bad influence on movies, basically. Well, shit. I know, I know. So 1927, Hayes suggested to studio executives that they form a committee to discuss film censorship, so MGM, Fox, and Paramount execs were kind of like the biggest of the big studios at the mm-hmm. time, um, created a list of don'ts and be carefuls based on items that were challenged by local censorship boards. So it had 11 subjects that should be avoided and 26 that had to be handled very, very carefully. Yeah. Do you want to hear? <laughs> there was no way to enforce these yeah. things. Um, but yeah, they kind of, by 1927, they had codified the lists uh, many of these would later become key points in the Hayes Code. Specifically, they resolved that those things which are included in the following list shall not appear in pictures produced by the members of this association, irrespective of the manner in which they are treated. What, do, what does that mean? So it means, like, so later on, we're going to get to um, a lot of like, using the code to kind of cover anti uh, anti-Semitism Gross. by some of these people. Um, 
because one of the rules is that you can't like negatively portray um other countries or their you know political figures and stuff which included Hitler oh so there was basically like a ban on anti-nazi movies for a little bit which we will get into later but yeah so like you can't swear there's no selling drugs um no sexual perversion no white slavery which was a huge fear of the time um no miscegenation oh no who miscegenation which is like interracial marriage or sex why well because it was illegal black people and white people couldn't get married are you fucking kidding me so we can't do it it's 1927 because the movies are real life yeah um yeah so no venereal diseases no scenes of actual childbirth in fact or in silhouette uh no child nudity uh no ridicule of the clergy and no willful offense to any nation race or creed which um was mostly like european christian yeah like white people yeah Yeah. don't offend the white (laughs) basically so then there were sort of more things you had to be really careful about like the use of the flag international relations um there was this obsession with not showing people how to commit crimes so like you had to be really careful about like arson and robbery and like murder and torture and like how those were depicted weird because you didn't want people to get ideas basically well i mean yeah but yeah so like (laughs) it's just such a stretch so one of the quotes actually from so like Number five, yeah, was theft, robbery, safe cracking, and dynamiting of trains, mines, buildings, etc. Having in mind the effect which a too detailed description of these may have upon the moron. Oh, just think of what these people would think of criminal lines. I know. As a show, I, I hate it. Uh, also, no first night scenes, which is like a, a couple, a married straight couple consummating their marriage. What if it's the second night? I, I mean, I don't know. Who knows? It's fine on the second night, just not the first. There were, that's always real messy. Also, rules later on that like kissing scenes can only be three seconds. So there was like a Hitchcock movie that um had them like the couple break off every I was couple seconds. Say, yes. And so it's like actually like a minute and a half long scene. I was going to say like, do you just like pull away? Yes. So seconds. some people did like that's get around it. Was. Um. So in 1929, again, very religious Catholic Martin Quigley and Jesuit priest Father Daniel A. Lord created a code of standards and submitted it to the studios. Um, Lord was particularly concerned with the effects of sound film on children who were especially susceptible. Um, yeah. Sound film is film with sound? Yes. <laughs> yeah, so movies as we think of them now, basically, and not just like music put over top with like little slides saying <laughs> speaking. It was wild. I don't know if you've ever seen yeah, sound yeah. film, but so funny yeah so basically the mppda all agreed that it would abide by the code sort of with the thing again of like this is to avoid political interference and having to deal with all these local censor boards gotcha Uh, we're just going to self-censor and this is the code that we're all going to use so it was divided into two parts sort of general principles which again were prohibited um from lowering the moral standards of those who see it um and called for depictions of correct standards of life and forbade any picture to show any sort of ridicule towards a law or creating sympathy for its violation. So only movies about upstanding citizens and any characters that aren't upstanding citizens have to die. No be gay, do crime. No, definitely don't be gay. Definitely don't do crime. Don't do it in movies. Yeah. (laughs) That's where they get the most upset. So I guess my curiosity, I'm curious. 
say I make a movie in this yeah. time and I break every single one of these rules and nobody notices until the movie is like no they would notice because you have to submit release. for approval oh okay what if I edit the, the movie afterwards and then re- like would they take the movie they would pull it interesting yeah were we're gonna we're gonna get to that. In this time? yes and they were owned by the studios mm. which was part of breaking that up that like antitrust laws stuff they're like part a of weird what? like anti-censorship like ring operating behind the scenes being this, like we're gonna make we're on page two but oh, just listen just really now i'm curious <laughs> go so um yeah and then the second part was like certain things that could be depicted but you have to be very careful um there was a ban on like so like homosexuality was never outright banned it was just assumed mm-hmm. under the whole like you know following sexual mores and stuff um queer folks were automatically included under the prescription of sex perversion so yeah lots of very fun stuff <laughs> you know what it's interesting because i think that that like it's weird that this I'm thinking about this thing I was recently in a library I'm not going to say which library it was um but in like the queer lit section and I specifically took a picture of it it had so many books about like prostitution interesting and like stuff like that and I was very much like I wonder where this came from why this is in that section but then you think of like this it's all sexual perversion because it's like that was from years ago we're still dealing with the repercussions of this where I go to pick up a book about you know queer identities and I have to sift through prostitution I took a picture I'll show you later (laughs) thank you um yeah so basically the whole code it promoted traditional values quote unquote right um so sex outside of marriage and like by this we mean a straight marriage obviously yeah. um was forbidden to be played as a tra- portrayed as attractive or beautiful or to be <laughs> presented in any way that would like make them seem permissible or sexy make or like anything like that yes so yeah any perversions out um criminal action had to be punished and neither the crime nor the criminal could be sympathetic. So no lay Miz. <laughs> <laughs> um, this when, isn't one of the situations where you're going to fall for the villain. No, you couldn't. You couldn't. Or the movie would be pulled. Legally. Um, yeah, legally. <laughs> Authority figures had to be treated with respect. The clergy could not be portrayed as comic or villains. Um, under some circumstances, politicians, police officers, and judges could be villains as long as it was clear that they were exceptions to the rule. <laughs> yeah, so like you could have a movie about a bad cop, but all the heroes had to be the good cops taking him down because he is the exception. You know, I know. That didn't age well. Nope. So uh, by 1930, Variety published the entirety of the code and stated that it would make government boards obsolete. Um, but at the time, the men enforcing the code were pretty ineffective. Um, the Blue Angel was the first film the office reviewed and was passed with no revisions, but was considered indecent by a California censor. Um, so in 1930, the Hayes office did not have the authority to order studios to remove material from a film um, and instead tried to reason or like plead with them. Um, and to complicate things, the appeals process ultimately put the responsibility for making final decisions in the hands of the studios. One sort of factor in ignoring the code was the fact that some people found this censorship really prudish, obviously. 
when the code was announced, the uh, sort of more liberal periodical The Nation attacked it, stating that if crime were never to be presented in a sympathetic light, then taken literally, that would mean that law and justice would become one and the same. Therefore, events such as the Boston Tea Party could not be portrayed. If clergy must always be presented in a positive way, then hypocrisy could not be dealt with either. Other publications agreed and said it would be really just hard to enforce. Um, the Great Depression in the 30s led many studios to seek income by any means possible. And since sort of the racier movies um, with like violence and sex and all these things had higher ticket sales, um, they obviously produced more of those mm -hmm. to try to, you know, get in on what little money there was. Mm -hmm. um, and flouting the code became like an open secret. Um, in 1931, the Hollywood Reporter quoted an anonymous screenwriter saying that the Hayes Moral Code is not even a joke anymore. It's just a memory. But that's going to change. <laughs> God. So now we're in 1934. An, amend an amendment to the code was adopted, which established the Production Code Administration, which we will just call the PCA, and required all films released on or after July, July 1st, 1934, to obtain a certificate of approval before they could be released. So basically for over 30 years, um, virtually all motion pictures produced in the United States adhered to the code. Oh. Yeah. Because this went on for a long time. Wild. So this is 1934 and it wasn't really abandoned until the 60s. Jesus. Yeah. So the previously mentioned um, priest, Father Daniel Lord, wrote, silent smut had been bad. Vocal smut cried to the censors for vengeance. So it was bad enough when it was in a silent movie. But now that there's sound, holy shit. Watch out, world. <laughs> Watch for the children. <laughs> they can hear, but they can't see. Yeah, and like some people saw it very, very obviously as like trying to control Hollywood with Catholic, Catholic doctrine. Um, like the guilty were punished, the virtuous rewarded, mm -hmm. the authority of the church is the only legitimate one, and um, you know, marriage is sacred. So Joseph Breen, who was also a Catholic, Mm -hmm. um, had worked in public relations and was appointed to the head of the PCA and under its leadership enforcement of the production code became incredibly strict mm -hmm. even uh, the cartoon sex symbol Betty Boop mm -hmm. had to change from her sort of flapper personality and dress to a more like matronly appearance like very old fashioned and conservative stupid I know right <laughs> So the first major instance of censorship involved the 1934 movie Tarzan and His Mate, in which brief nude scenes involving a body double um, were edited out of the negative for the film. <laughs> Do you know how hard it would be to edit out something out of a negative? I know, a negative of a film. Of a film yeah, like, right? That's like, you're like literally like cutting shit yeah. and splicing. <gasps> and you know what? This is when people started splicing dicks or something. I bet you. What the fuck are you talking about? Hey, have you never heard of this? Oh, do you mean like splicing in? A yeah. Oh, yes. In the like, people are just splicing dicks. I feel like that was later, but yes, I know what you're talking about. Um, yeah. So then some pre-code movies and like from the transition sort of period were pulled to be re-edited. So like the Maltese Falcon and Dr. Jekyll and Hyde, mm -hmm. Mr. Hyde um, were all some, pulled to be fixed. I guarantee somebody put a sex scene in there and like a full on sex scene. Um. Because that's what happens when you try to censor people. I know. Oh no, they're gonna they rebel. Get sassy. They, they do get sassy. Um, it also required changes regarding adaptations of other media. So if you're making a book into a movie, um, you had to change plot points to make it fit the code. Um, like in Hitchcock's uh, Rebecca, 
could <laughs> it couldn't retain a major plot point from the original novel where the narrator discovers that her husband killed his first wife and she kind of makes light of it um because having a major character get away with murder and living happily ever after would have been just an absolute hard no still a hard no but in film it's like we care more about the real life people nowadays right it's a movie um (laughs) yeah so in hitchcock's version um the first wife died in an accident and her husband was only guilty of hiding the facts of her death so he was not involved interesting um yeah so this is where we get into that political censorship we mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, Warner Bros. wanted to make a movie about uh, some of the Nazi concentration camps. The production office forbade it, citing the prohibition on depicting another country's institutions and prominent people in an unfavorable life, with threats to take matter to the federal government if the studio went ahead. And this prevented a number of like anti-Nazi films being produced. Imagine just not being a Nazi. I know, right? (laughs) Crazy. Um, And this was so, this was also in the late 1930s, right? Yeah. So in 1938, the FBI unearthed and prosecuted a Nazi spy ring, which allowed the production of Confessions of a Nazi Spy. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) With, hey, the fucking, the Three Stooges, um, short you nazi spelled n-a-z-t-y spy in 1940 being the first hollywood film of any sort to openly spoof the third reich's leadership um (laughs) followed soon after by the great dictator which is an excellent movie it's charlie chaplin it's great basically the charlie charlie chaplin plays like a spoof of hitler and this like jewish he's a barber Mm -hmm. um and basically that they are just coincidentally like fucking identical oh right and so at one point he like gets confused for hitler yeah and takes his place and then he does this incredible speech at the end where he looks like straight into the camera it's like it's chilling oh interesting um no it's really good um so yeah a lot of writers were really angry at how much power Mm -hmm. breen had some people tried to find positive in the code's limitations basically saying like it made them think and be more devious Mm -hmm. and they had to be like really really deliberate with how they did stuff Mm -hmm news was mostly exempt from the code although their content was mostly toned down and this didn't really change until like world war ii Mm. um there were a couple really famous acts of defiance so like the outlaw which was denied a certificate of approval in 41 like you were asking Mm -hmm. um the advertising kind of focused on the actress's like breasts um when the initial films released in 1943 was shuttered by the mppda after a week Mm. Um, its creator Howard Hughes eventually persuaded Breen that this did not violate the code and the film could be shown although without a seal of approval so they pulled it and they were like fine you can have it but we're not signing off on it (laughs) stupid I know yeah and then there was another example Duel in the Sun um, also 1946 um, also without the approval of the Hayes office featuring several on-screen deaths um, adultery displays of lust like Mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff very you know yeah huh oh jesus for the time (laughs) yeah um but both films were financial successes even without the approval so that was kind of the start of the weakening yeah of the code um in the late 40s um but then you know as people start to lose control they try to grab back right so in 1951 the mpaa revised the code to make it even more rigid um and listing even more things that were prohibited. Mm-hmm. 
So that same year, the head of MGM, who was one of Breen's biggest allies, was actually ousted after a series of disputes with the studio's production head, who preferred gritty, like, social realism and hated the Hayes office. Interesting. Yeah. So 1954, Breen retired, um, mostly because of health, and um, his successor was appointed. Hollywood continued to work in the confines of the production code throughout the 40s and 50s, but during this time, the film industry was faced with a number of competitive threats. Um, the first one was from TV. Hmm. TV was starting to come around by this point, and it didn't mean that people had to leave their house, like they could just watch from their living rooms, um, and Hollywood needed to offer something that they couldn't get on TV, yeah. um, which was actually under an even more restricted censorship code. So they're like, we, we need to outdo TV because otherwise, you know, why would people leave their homes and their couches? And I mean, fair. Their new TV dinners. And... I do that at a TV dinner. Right? Who doesn't? Um, yeah. So on top of that, they, like we said, with this, they owned all the theaters, right? Mm-hmm. So the Supreme Court decided, hey, fucking cut that out. Mm-hmm. You can't own the theaters and you can't control what gets played. Makes sense. Yeah which meant that more foreign films could start coming in because the studios couldn't say, hey, only play our movies. But they don't censor those. Well, (laughs) they were not bound by the code. So in 1950, The Ways of Love was released, (laughs) which included um, a short called The Miracle, which was thought to mock the nativity. Um, In response, the New York State Board of Regents, which was in charge for film censorship, revoked the film's license. Uh, and there was a lawsuit called the Miracle Decision, um, which basically the Supreme Court changed its 1915 decision and said that actually movies were entitled to First Amendment protection, meaning the movie could not be banned. Go figure. I I know, right? It only took them fucking 40 years. Yeah, but... was the time. <laughs> So yeah, now that the threat of government regulation was reduced, um, so was the PCA's power over Hollywood, um, because like we said, government censor was sort of the major justification for the mm-hmm. code in the first place. Um, and there was quickly became a wave of like provocative European movies reaching Americans, challenging gender roles, confronting prejudices against the queer community, um, all kinds of things. Good. All kinds of fun, spicy stuff. I love that. <laughs> Also, post-war, there was a gradual um, liberalization of American culture, and some parts of the code had lost their taboo. It's like, this isn't really a big deal anymore. Yeah. So in 1956, parts of the code were rewritten to accept subjects like miscegenation, uh, adultery, and prostitution. I Makes know. sense. Yeah. Like, this is real-life shit, man. So we started getting, yeah, more films dealing with more, like, um, sexual matters, adult topics, all these fun things. And then sort of one of the final kind of, the thing pointed to is sort of the death knell Mm -hmm. um, was Billy Wilder's Some Like It Hot. Have you seen this movie? No. It's Marilyn Monroe, 1959. It's actually a great movie. I really enjoyed it. Um, It actually was nominated for six Academy Awards Mm -hmm. um, and is like thought to be like one of the greatest movies like it's interesting like if you look at like top 50 movies ever made it's always on there interesting um but it has really really strong queer themes oh cool so um marilyn monroe meets these two men who saw like a mafia hit Mm -hmm. and they are now in disguise as women yeah right and one of them you know is into marilyn monroe and is like oh but i can't you know try to hit on her as a woman so i'm also gonna you know all this stuff but meanwhile the other guy as a woman 
um, has a cis man fall in love with him mm. and propose and accepts is like, as soon as he finds out a woman, we'll get divorced. I'll get a settlement. It'll be great. I'll be rich. Cause he's a millionaire. Yeah. But by the end of the movie, he's like trying to get out of this marriage and is trying to explain like all these reasons that the marriage wouldn't work, yeah. you, you know, like making up all this stuff to try to get this guy to like stop. Cause like, Oh shit, I actually can't. Yeah. Very right. Yeah. Um, and so the character in drag like rips off their wigs, which is back to like a man voice and says, I'm a man. Oh, interesting. Um, and then still smiling, the this millionaire says, Well, nobody's perfect. Oh, funny. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah, so this was kind of a bit of I a death it. knell. Um, yeah, there were a couple others. So like um, in 1964, the pawnbroker came out. And was initially rejected because of female nudity as well as a sex scene. Um, despite the rejection, the film's producers um, arranged to release the film without the code seal. And yeah, like again, it went ahead and like <laughs> made all this money, and no one gives a shit about the PCA anymore. Yeah, so basically, the pawnbroker was the first film featuring bare breasts to receive production code approval. Um, it was like they granted an exception to the code as a special and unique case, but was later seen as the first of a series of, um, quote, injuries to the production code that would prove fatal within three years. Mm. By the end of the 60s, um, we moved away from the code and we're sort of starting to get towards the rating system we are more used to. That makes more sense. So like that system. Yeah. So men in drag brought down the Hayes Code. I love that so much. And Marilyn Monroe, who we love and stand always. Yeah. So yeah. Wow, wow. What a journey. What a journey. See, I know. It's wild. Like, I remember watching a Hitchcock movie and being like, why did that character just fucking die off screen? And my mom was like, oh, because it was the Hayes Code and because she was a criminal and she couldn't have a happy ever after. And I was like, so they fucking threw her off a tower? Like, oh, that's so interesting. I wonder how many more, how many movies I could walk, go back and rewatch well, and find this. It's stuff. really fun. So, like, at yeah, at the beginning of the pandemic, we watched a bunch of Hitchcock movies, and like, I had started to learn about the Hayes mm-hmm. Code at that point. And so, like, you can pick out things. So, like, funny. I think it was South by Southwest. There was this one. Um, they couldn't be this. The leading man and woman weren't married, mm-hmm. so they couldn't be seen sitting on a bed together because that implies, you know, they're gonna have sex. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the end of the movie, they get married. And then there's this bit where she's sitting on the bed and he like jumps on to sit next to her and like puts his arm around her. And it's like, oh, Intense. they're married now. So they're going to fuck and it's okay because they're married. Wild. Yeah. What a journey. I know. God, if only they knew then what we watch now for movies. I know, right? Yes, this was my thing that I'm fascinated by that I tried to make tra- tangentially related to queer issues we could talk about on the podcast. I love it so much. Yeah, this is super fucking interesting. Yeah. Right? And it's it is to point totally, out what you know about it. It's totally connected to queer issues. Hondo. 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 What's your queer Hondo? Um, so tired. Uh, I know. My queer joy is naps. Naps are great. That's oh, a God. great one. I'm just like, a, it's so tired. Yeah. I went to bed at like 7 30 last night and woke up at like 7 30 this morning and literally slept for 12 hours because I was exhausted. Amazing. So. Glorious. Yeah. My queer joy is very simple. Sleep. Yeah. Yeah. What about yours? Um, I was in Calgary oh, for right. a bit last week. Right, right. Um, that was super fun. We, I was getting trained as a facilitator. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had a team dinner after the first day of training. 
um, which led to team drinking in the hotel room, which that. led to team hangover um, and training the next morning. Fantastic. <laughs> the first time I've been hungover a little bit. Luckily, the headache went away after I got some breakfast. Fantastic. Um, I also learned lots. Good. Well, so, that's good. I can't I had, just drink. No, it wasn't time. just drinking. Um, and I had someone who's like a really amazing facilitator say like, I'm a, that I'm a natural while nice. laughing at a joke that I had made. Amazing. So I was like, yeah, fuck you, imposter syndrome. Yeah. It was great. It was great. great. Yeah. That's so that's my career. I love that for you. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's about it. I and we'll be more thrilled to be alive next week. I know. Yeah. We're a little sleepy. It's so. just a weird transition time for it. Well, we're transitioning out of life and into pride month. So. It is. Yeah. It's things are going to get wild this next little bit. <laughs> yeah. It always takes us a bit to get our bearings about us. Just wait till the first episode we have in July where we're like, oh, <laughs> if you don't see us, that's why. Yeah. So um, thanks for joining us. Be kind to yourself and others. And we'll see you next week. See you then. Bye. I don't know why I'm doing finger guns now because you're doing them. I don't know.